Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 1st is Luke chapter 1 and John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In Luke, we meet Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, the aunt and uncle of the coming Messiah. Of course, they don't know it yet in Luke chapter 1, not at the beginning of the chapter anyhow. It is Zechariah's turn to go into the sanctuary of the temple and burn incense before Yahweh. We learn through reading today that Zechariah and Elizabeth were both righteous people, but they had no children. Zechariah goes into the temple to burn incense before Yahweh, and an angel, Gabriel, appears to him. This is the same Gabriel who appeared to the prophet Daniel in the book of Daniel. And then Gabriel later goes and appears to Mary and prophesies to her that she will bear the coming savior of the world. It must have been a fearsome sight because when Gabriel appears, he always says, don't be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. Have you ever longed for something for so long and with such fervency and yet it seems like it could never actually happen? Like we're going to need a miracle here, God. And I'm sorry, but I just don't believe that you want to give me a miracle. I know that God is able to do miracles. No Christian would doubt that God can do miracles, but so many don't believe that he does them anymore because we don't ever see them. They are a rare sight. Imagine what it must have been like for Zechariah ministering in the temple of God in the inner sanctuary, burning incense before the presence of the God of all creation. And one of these high-ranking angels appears to him. Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. You will receive a son. Your wife is going to give you a son. And it just seems too good to be true. Like, do you mean literally a son? Because I don't believe, I don't believe that's possible. I mean, I've been praying for that for 50 years. I don't think God's going to do that. And there's a difference between having questions and not trusting. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were both told were righteous people. They were righteous. They, They weren't living in sin. They weren't being judged for doing something wrong. Their promise was just being withheld until it wasn't being withheld any longer. I wonder if you could ask Zechariah and Elizabeth, was it worth the wait? What would they say? Gabriel continues, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him, the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Friends, many people today are praying for 
revival. A lot of people are praying for Jesus to return, but we need the spirit of Elijah to come and prepare the way for him. We need the spirit of Elijah to come like a modern day John the Baptist to wake the people up, to say, start loving your sons again. Sons, be reunited to your fathers again. This way we're living is not right. In other words, friends, we're doing it wrong. Repent. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That means his ministry was a ministry of bringing people to repentance. When John was baptizing people in the Jordan River and the religious leaders came out to see what was going on, he points at them and says, repent. You brood of vipers, who told you to flee from the coming wrath? It was that message of anger, righteous anger that brought the religious elite, some of them, to repentance. But it was a message of love and reconciliation that brought the common people to repentance. We need modern day John the Baptists to go out and shake the trees and say, people, friends, family, we are doing it wrong. And we can lead in this end time revival by being a people marked by repentance. I've been doing it wrong. God has convicted me. Do you also feel like something's not right? Perhaps God is speaking to you too. Zechariah asks an honest question. How how can I know this is true? Give me a sign so that I know I can trust you because it seems too good to be true. And how am I going to go home and spend the next week or month with my wife wondering if this is going to really happen? How can I go home and set her up for heartbreak? Yet again, we've already suffered through 40 or 50 years of disappointment by not getting the thing that we long for. How can I know this is true? Gabriel responds, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, this gospel. Now listen, you'll become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. After these days, Elizabeth conceived. She kept herself in secret for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me to take away my disgrace among the people. You know that verse? You ever heard the saying, Hope deferred makes the heart sick? Zechariah and Elizabeth were both a little heart sick by having their own hope deferred. All of us know what that's like. To not get what we want, even when what we want is a very good and admirable thing. Too often we neglect the second part of that verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It's a beautiful thing, friends, when the thing we long for fulfilled and it becomes a tree of life that bears fruit that lasts. Gabriel, a few months after meeting with Zechariah, goes and appears to Mary, the virgin, 
maybe 16 years old, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Your son to be born will be a holy one, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary, selfless Mary, I am your servant. May it happen to me as you have said. The humility of Mary. They're going to think I cheated on Joseph. Yes, Lord. My parents might throw me out. Whatever you say, Lord. The people are going to want to stone me. Yes, Lord. I'll do whatever you call me to do. My life is your life, God. You can call me and tell me whatever you tell me, I will do it. I think we read these verses, these words, and it just skims right over our head. We don't ever really take into account the cost of a Mary. Mary turns and glorifies God. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble conditions of his servant. It is my joy to serve you, God, even if it costs me everything. It is my joy to serve you, even if all of the people ridicule me and want to stone me. It is my joy, and I will magnify the Lord for calling me worthy to serve him, even if it costs me my life. Mary goes to Elizabeth, who's six months along, and when John the Baptist, this three months before he is born, hears the voice of Aunt Mary, he leaps in Elizabeth's womb. John was spirit-filled three months before he was born, at the end of the second trimester. John 1 begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word. What is a Word? Think about these words. Picture them coming out. They're expressing to you as you listen the things in my heart, the things in my mind. The Word of God, the expression of God's thoughts and feelings, who is God, who was God, and who was with God, who created all things. Apart from Him, not one thing was created. In Him, this Word, in the Word of God was life, and that life was the light of men. It's what gives men hope. It's what gives men life. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness has not overcome it or overshadowed it or overpowered it or understood it. There's so many different ways to interpret that last phrase. The Word of God is the light of men, not from men, but to men. The physical manifestation of the expression of the Father's thoughts and feelings. He became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. This Word of God that cannot be defined fully, that cannot be comprehended fully, this Word of God who is 
the expression of God the Father's heart. This word of God who said, I can only do what I see the Father doing. This one who emptied himself of his royalty, being in very nature God and yet appearing as a man, this word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth, full of grace, full of truth. If he was all grace, this world would be a wreck. If there was nothing but grace, there would be no accountability for sin. If he was only truth, we would be wrecked. We would have no hope because there would be no forgiveness. The truth is we are all sinners and we all deserve God's wrath. But Jesus came this perfect manifestation of grace and truth. The grace, this promise that you don't have to get what you deserve. And the truth, if you'll accept the grace, let that grace change you. You can also have the truth of relationship with him. This is the good news, my friends. This is the hope that we long for, the hope that we live for. May God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.